Hey, husband. Yes, wife. What time does Sean Connery get to Wimbledon? What time? Tennis. Wow. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Random's Thoughts. I'm wife, and he's husband, and this week we are going to talk about some of the things that we miss about the WoW TCG, uh, some of the game mechanics that we always enjoyed and wish they could bring them back, or ways that we think we could bring them back ourselves with some custom cards. It's one thing that I have to criticize about the WoW TCG in general is that I felt they had a lot of great game mechanics, which sounds like a compliment, except for this part. They didn't really follow up on a lot of them. Granted, the game didn't last all that long in the grand scheme of things. If you compare it to Magic, which obviously preceded it and continues, it has a much longer lifespan. So they've had the opportunity to recycle things and bring back old mechanics and remix them with new mechanics or try this out with that and really create more interesting game experiences or get people the opportunity to play around with things that maybe they didn't have the opportunity to because they came into the game later, they took a break, whatever the case is. As we said, the WoW TCG had a lot of cool ideas. The problem was, as, as mentioned, they didn't really get to that point of bringing them back. And in fact, a lot of them ended up falling by the wayside when Cryptozoic took over, such as Professions, which I know Wife is pretty attached to the old crafting method, which obviously now would never really physically work, yeah, but it was really no cool. And it was really fun, and it was, I was that kid who would collect box tops or, and send away for the prizes at the bottom of the Cheerios box, or I would beg and plead for any cereal, whether or not I liked it, if it had a prize at the bottom. So this was kind of reminiscent of those days. So you could collect all your cards, and then you could go in with a big cheesy grin on your face and get new ones. It was really cool to be able to do that. I mean, it had obvious downsides when there was that gigantic line for viewless wings at more than one event, or assorted things where, you know what, sometimes they would run out, or having to wait <laughs> six to eight weeks like it is back when we were kids for it to be mailed to you. The logistics were always the issue, but the idea itself was cool. Unfortunately, naturally, since the game's gone, there's a snowball's chance of that ever reviving. The closest I think we get now is trading in your old cards and building those nice big castles that they have at Gen Con. Yeah, those are always pretty funny. But uh, aside from the, I guess, outside the game stuff that we miss, because there are a number of other, of other things that we'll probably come up in other podcasts, because I know Wife, as she's mentioned before, is super attached to Tupac. I love Tupac. It's it's my addiction to this game. It's what brought me in. I like things that are just a little bit goofy. I also miss when you could play against actual Cryptozoic employees and have a bounty on their head. That was always pretty cool. I won some pretty interesting stuff, and it was fun talking to each of them. And uh, it was always a good time. Everybody seemed to be having fun. But we wanted to focus a little bit more on stuff actually in the game. So as we said before, professions were one of them. And personally, I didn't like that they went by the wayside. I feel that they could have taken the reputation approach. So the way Aldor and Scryer were first introduced is if you had Scryers in your deck, you couldn't have Aldor. And if you had Aldor rep, couldn't have Scryers and explicitly said that. But then when the Rubian rep and some of the other stuff was introduced in 
the Wrath of the Lich King block, or Scourge War block, really, they sort of made it backwards compatible in saying, okay, you can have this, but you can't have any other reputations. Similarly, when the changeover for talents happened, instead of labeling your hero as a fire mage, or a demonology warlock, or a beast mastery hunter, it would say it on the actual talent card, and then it would indicate, okay, you can have holy paladin talents in your deck, but you can't have protection or retribution. So it kind of built, it structured everything easily for you. I think they could have done the same thing with professions, or a similar way. So, okay, take the professions off the hero cards themselves. It doesn't actually say that you're alchemy and inscription or whatever, but maybe on the profession cards, just put that you can only have two professions in your deck. It would make things a little more complex, because if you're playing in a tournament setting, you know, oh, well, is that the only reputation they have? If I see two, or excuse me, if that's the only profession they have, if I see two professions, am I the next round, maybe they see a, a third one. It can create some problems there, but I think it would have been worthwhile. I came to the game a little bit later, so I missed a lot of decent profession things, and the professions that I was around for, I was completely oblivious about. So it wasn't really until the game died that I was like, hey, husband, what's this mean? Why does this matter? So... I wish that I had been able to see it more in action than I did. It's funny because the question actually came up on the subreddit a while ago now, I guess. A new player or newer player just a few months ago picked up the game and said, well, why are there professions on the old heroes and not on the new heroes and how does it work and what are the rules for it? And unfortunately, the answer is officially, <laughs> even though there is no official governing body at the moment, you can't play professions with the new heroes. Personally, I, I'm okay with a house rule, and we haven't tried it, but I can't imagine it's going to be too game-breaking. And now that I put that on the record, I'm sure someone will come back with something obvious. But does it really matter if you play Vorix Zorbas with, you know, tailoring? I don't know. I mean, maybe it does, but I think it would be interesting to allow for that. And I think, especially at this point in the game, experimentation isn't a bad idea. So I do think it would be interesting to try some of the professions, especially because I miss them all. One thing that I always really enjoyed was boosts based around theme decks. So I, my first deck was an orc deck. So obviously you can play things to boost your orcs. I really liked the idea of theme decks and their ability to play off each other and continue to boost each other. I... I get into these things really for the story aspect. Yeah, both of us are really not completely Vorthos-oriented players. If you look at the psychographic profiles from Magic, it's not just Spike, Johnny, and Timmy. Uh, there are a couple others, one of them being Vorthos, that you get into it for the lore aspect. You want to do something cool or like emulate and kind of get into the game but you could still then be a Spike Johnny Timmy mindset of, okay, I'm playing competitively, but I want my Warlock deck or my Orc deck, whatever, to feel like it's an army of Orcs. Yes, so my first deck that I really played was an Orc deck that Husband built for me. 
having never had any background in the world of Warcraft, literally at all, at that point. You, you were playing WoW at that I point. hadn't started the game by the first time you handed me the deck, that deck. You say so. So by that point, I was already calling people Alliance scum and completely on the Horde side, and I knew nothing other than these are my orcs and I love my orcs. So I really like the theme decks. I like the continual boost. That being said, I really wish that the game hadn't ended by the time we could do more things for Worgen and Goblins and make more theme decks around them. Yeah, the Drums of War block introduced those tribal racial bonuses. Uh, and the, the Orgrimmar Works deck was probably the most notable one. There were some notable gnomes in Dimzer and a few others, but... As far as I can remember, and off the top of my head, the Orgrimmar one was the only major competitive, dedicated, tribe-related one. And the whole idea circled back around in the War of Ancients block, but as wife said, that was kind of as things were winding down. And ultimately, even though they finally started to come back around to the idea, it well, we missed a lot. You didn't get to redo the undead. You didn't get to redo... Uh, the Worgen. You didn't get to redo the Goblins. Well, they didn't really ever have their... I mean, Worldbreaker kind yeah. of. I mean, they showed up. So you never got to see the Goblin equivalent of GTL, which is Gamble, Tinker, and Laundry, as opposed to the um, Jersey Shore of Jim Tan Laundry. Sorry, we is live that... just a little too close to New Jersey for comfort. First of all, everybody should live in New Jersey because it's the best place. If you couldn't tell where husband's from, I'll give you a wild guess. I would have liked to come up with fun ideas around that or their whole, in general, mafioso theme, I think, would make for an excellent theme deck. And for the Worgen, I don't know as much about their backstory. I know well, let's enough. be fair, they're werewolves. It's pretty, yeah. Werewolves are pretty cool. And so it would be fun, even though they are Alliance scum, to come <laughs> up with a Worgen-themed deck. And I know Husband, more than anything on this face of the planet, loves his monsters. It's true. And those would be more fun theme decks. And while they were, I feel like they were starting toward it, it was, we're getting there, we're getting there, oh, hey, the game's over. Yeah, there were obviously some competitive monster builds in core and contemporary. We talked about Gurglenburgle the last time on our last podcast, but obviously when we're looking at it from the perspective of classic, that never really occurred, it never really got off the ground, and I think there were a lot, there were a lot of different ways that they could have taken it or could have pursued that would have been interesting from a gameplay perspective. I think it would have been cool to come back to those tribal mechanics or, and here are some other ones that had a flash in a pan, not even necessarily they were in the competitive limelight, but maybe they showed up here and there, arena allies. I distinctly remember playing at a Realm Championship, playing Ring of Renewal, or Renewal of Life, excuse me, it was a ring, that at the start of your turn you could destroy it and return Everybody returns all allies from their graveyards to play. So I was playing with arena allies. I would discard a bunch of arena allies via donation of silk, donation of wool, that sort of thing, and then bring them all back. Well, they all buff each other, hopefully with the ferocity one, and then I just kill you in one turn. Well, 
guess what? Arena Allies showed up in a whopping one set, maybe. I don't think they were in Fields of Honor. Pretty sure it was only Blood of Gladiators. But point is, is that it would have been cool to see that expanded, even if there was only one or two showing up in future sets as a legacy buff. Or not, not buff, but a, a bone to throw us for some of these mechanics. Monsters are another one where, okay, well, monsters were obviously going to become the air quotes third faction as time went on, but they needed some gaps filled in. You know, Death Knights, for example, when they first came into the game, got their own set to try and catch them up. And then when Scourge War happened, okay, well, now they're a, a regular class, so they get the other cards, but it helped fill in the gaps. I think monsters missed out on a lot of things that would have been crucial to helping them. As, and just general neutral builds. And there are a lot of interesting ways that you could take, you know, aside from like, was it Pinprick? Or Implored Pinprick, the, the health guy that can't be attacked. It's one of the, the goofy demon heroes. Or Famish, the, the one that gives all your uh, uh, horde guys ferocity when he flips. Or the Alliance one that makes you elusive. And it, there were a bunch of cool neutral things going all the way back to Obliveron, which is another mechanic. Do you, do you remember the trader mechanic, wife? I remember seeing it on a card and going, oh, hey, it's a trader. Being a trader as the air quotes fourth spec, I think is very interesting and something that obviously never really got expanded on. And the power level was spiked for those cards at the time with the intent that they probably assumed they were never going to get back to it or get back to it so far in the future that, you know, these would make up for, for time. I wish that they come back to it, both Cryptozoic or Upper Deck, and they could have because Wrath of the Lich King or the whole thing with Garrosh and Miss of Pandaria, if we got that far, or... You know, you could name tons of things within the lore that would justify being a traitor faction or considered a traitor, and then you could have new cards. It's just unfortunate that we never got to see it. Yeah, there could have been a lot had we continued, and maybe, as people say with bands, it would have gotten worse as they continued. But I like to hold out hope um, that those things would have continued to be awesome. I think it would be really interesting to revisit the trader mechanic, especially now that in the uh, online game we have been revisiting Draenor, and that that story is really interesting. And in my personal opinion, though I have been told most of the internet disagrees with me, I think it's a really intricate and I don't like time travel story. stories. So. I don't <laughs> mind time travel stories. We get into an argument anytime Doctor Who comes on. But well, wife does have a point because Gul'dan is definitely someone that would be that, that's your target for the traitor mechanic. <laughs> Gul'dan is like literally the definition of traitor to his people, and he could very easily fit slot into any of that. Fit in right there, the Shadow Council. Chogal, before he turned into weird old god servant, all of those characters can easily be molded into that and offer a whole lot of options. Yeah, so I think it would have been interesting if we were still going to be able to reintroduce it that way. Speaking of 
turning back the clock, I guess, this isn't really a very clean segue, but one of the mechanics that I've mentioned previously that I always miss is kind of what wife described in the tribal mechanics. I love playing as Scourge in Warcraft 3, so I always play as the undead, or pretty much always, and I've always thought the stories were interesting, and I liked that in the final set, though it's based off of Reign of Chaos, that they kind of revamped the Scourge mechanic so that it isn't Scourge here required, but there is a Scourge tag so that they're backwards compatible with the old Scourge heroes. I think that's really cool, and I wish that we had seen more of that sort of thing, just like all this stuff, to be backwards compatible with the way the game used to be. It's a new take, and it is cleaner. It makes it doesn't make it as clunky to build decks. It doesn't ruin limited formats nearly as much because, you know, if you were drafting Scourge War block, it, it's kind of hard to make a Scourge draft deck work because what are the odds that, unless you're insanely lucky, that you're going to get enough actual Scourge allies and neutral allies to build a deck as compared to if you were just going generic Horde or Alliance and then filling it in with neutrals. This way, all of those Scourge allies can be thematically appropriate as well as functional. So one thing that wife and I have discussed before that she wasn't really aware of, but I had seen from playing other games, at least in Magic, there is a vibrant custom card community. And to my knowledge, that never really existed in the WoW TCG. Yeah, I think the closest that anybody ever got were Tony the Tiger uh, tokens, and those don't really count as custom cards, but they were Tony the Tiger tokens, well, there were, there so were they made me happy. There were plenty of people who made actual tokens. Yes, but it was Tony the Tiger. She, did, she just liked it because it was an Avatar of the Wild token. I did love me some Avatar of the Wild, and it's really funny to have Tony the Tiger come at you for a 10-10 swing. It, it is kind of entertaining. We, we did have a lot of those tokens because Avatar went into just about every Druid or Hunter build. But anyway, the, the reason why we want to talk about it is since it never really existed, there were, or to my knowledge it didn't exist, maybe there was some website out there and forum where and they, people still are producing stuff. I know there are people making custom raids, or I've seen that, but I haven't seen anyone really produce or talk about actual custom cards. So as wife and I have been talking before the recording about what do we miss about the old game? Oh, well, it would have been cool if we had more tribal themes for the goblins. Okay, well, what would we like to see? And that kind of got us talking about, well, it would be cool if people came up with their own cards now, especially since well, we're not making any more sets. <laughs> yeah, and this is probably a topic that we might revisit a little bit throughout our podcasts of, oh, we thought of this really cool card, but... Here are some of the first couple, and most of them, most of the better thought out ones come around husbands' monsters. Well, I put a lot more effort into the monsters because that's where my point of interest is. So, one of the things we mentioned before was stash as a mechanic. We both really liked it. One of the things we noticed is that, well, <laughs> the neutral heroes don't really have a Cairn Magni analog. They do get that one Gron, I think it's Gron Skullcracker. So you can, if it's on your first turn, you can reveal it and give either your hero or any monster plus three attack that turn. But it costs nine, the card will never actually be cast, and even if it is, it's not even that great. 
and you can't even use it, say, on turn three, you draw it. Well, that sucks. It's now a resource. It, it unfortunately went along with a theme for a lot of stuff in the Cryptozoic era where it was, uh, I'm not too happy with that. Yeah, it was kind of the theme of, oh, this is a pretty, and why does that cost so much? Yeah. Or just not drawing a lot of cards, and then you're stuck with those cards that you can't cast. But anyway, not to digress. So what we were talking about is how could we introduce a Cairn or Magni analog for neutral heroes, and specifically neutral heroes. I want it to be able to be playable by Scourge, but it doesn't have to be. But if you want to play, you know, whatever the Naga is that is the mage one, or you want to play one of the Scourge heroes, or you want to play one of the demon heroes, or whatever. Or ogres. Yeah, we're the ogres. You want to still be able to keep on par, at least, with the faction decks. The neutral and monster decks aren't that far behind, but I think it would be cool to add stuff. So one of the suggestions that we had was, I'm tentatively calling him Stink Breath, because it amuses me. It's a Furbog Shaman, because I like the Furbogs. They're funny to me, and there aren't that many of them. It's a 2-3 for 2, nature damage, monster hero required, and ferocity, which is, no, it's, a, it's an okay ally, it's an aggressive ally, but it can stash to put a 1-1 Murloc monster ally into play, the token. Which is really fun if you're stashing for Murlocs, because for all the various Murloc cards that can build off of each other, and that goes back to what I like with themes of... Everybody can boost each other, and it just makes everybody happy and the <laughs> world go around. As you can see, we tried to check off a bunch of boxes with this at the same... Try and kill a lot of birds with a single stone. So, a slight tweak to it, but very similar, is uh, Grave Gurgle. I don't even know how to pronounce some of these names, and I created them. So, basically, it's the same stats, 2-3 with Ferocity for 2. It's a monster, it's a murloc, it's a death knight. Instead of being monster hero required, it requires a non-horde, non-alliance hero. And it can also stash for a 1-1 murloc scourge monster ally token. Obviously, me liking the scourge heroes, I wanted to lean into that a little bit. It's a death knight, so it will slot into pretty much all of them. And it allows you to, again, keep board... And because of the tags being a Murloc, it's a Scourge, it's a monster, it's a, you know, all these things. It lets you trigger a whole bunch of things. So those are the two analogs that we were trying to look at. Uh, it was the first idea that came to our head, but obviously not the last, nor necessarily the best. One of the other ones that we had, because everybody likes coming up with their own mechanics, is Swarm. So the idea is that for the Murloc builds that existed, the air quotes competitive ones, seem to primarily be based around Unleash the Swarm, which while fun is obviously very random. And it's also kind of repetitive if, you know, the first 42 cards of your deck are all Murloc Ghost Runner. It does make filling out the deck list a lot easier. It does, however, it also makes Poison the Well and things like that just a little bit worse. Yeah, it's a little bit more frustrating. Plus, we both agree that there are a lot of cool Murlocs that never happen to see play or would see very fringe play just because, well, they can't get hit with Swarm, or excuse me, with Unleash the Swarm, and therefore, well, why play them? Yep. 
So one of the things that we created was keyword Murloc Swarm, or it's going to be X Swarm. So you could have, you know, Goblin Swarm, I guess, but you'd have to come up with something more appropriate, Demon Swarm, maybe. Furbog Swarm. I don't know if they really swarm. They don't really swarm unless you're running through their that territory. That one cave. Yeah. That one cave, invariably, you aggro every damn furbog. Yeah, and then but, you go invisible and screw over your husband. That was really fun. Yeah, that, that happened more than once. It's like, oh, well, we'll take a shortcut through here. Yeah, sure. Anyway, so the swarm keyword is this card costs one less in all zones for each X ally you control. So in this case, it's Murloc Swarm. So for every Murloc you control in play, this costs one less in all zones. So Murloc Swarm Leader is a 3345, which statistically is super bad. However, if you have five Murlocs out, he's free, which is relevant for Unleash the Swarm. So the idea is that you can flood the board by literally casting them and then unleash so that you can play larger Murlocs. Or, obviously, you can use them, you can tag other abilities on them. It doesn't just have to be a blank 3-3 like this guy. You can play Murlocs that aren't literally just Murloc Coast Runners. Is kind of what we were going for. And I think that's a nice way to end it out for the day. These are our first couple of probably hundreds ideas of custom cards that we're going to try to... Oh, it's more than that already. <laughs> um, but on that note, we hope that if you have had some ideas for custom cards or if you have some comments for our custom cards, you will email us at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. The link for the email will also be found in our podcast description. So once again, I am wife. And I'm husband. And we hope you will keep playing this game. Thanks, everyone. So for my non-World of Warcraft trading card game portion, I would like to discuss the movie Lion. Yes, there are a lot of games out there that I play and a lot of games that I want to discuss, but... This movie, this story, this book has really entranced me for the last few weeks, and that's why I would like to talk about it. The story follows Saru Briarly. Um, He was a little boy living in uh, rural India. Um, He was very poor. His mother was a laborer who carried rocks. He was out with one of his older brothers one night. His older brother told him to stay put, stay at the train station, while his older brother went to go look for some work. Saru was five at the time, approximately, that nobody really knows for sure. He wandered onto a train in the middle of the night, ended up in a locked train car, Um, where no one coming on or going off, it was supposed to be closed for, it was supposed to be closed for refurbishment. He then ended up on the streets of Calcutta, and he was a five-year-old begging on the streets, having to avoid predators in all manners, both human and animal. He begged, he stole, he had to do 
all manner of things in order to survive for two months. And then he was taken to an orphanage, and he was eventually adopted by a family in Australia. And the whole story centers around his search for his birth family. He used Google Earth and Facebook, which I thought was really amazing that he was able to Google Earth so many different train stations all throughout India. He had maps, he had um, lists, everything in order to try to find where his birth mother lived. And it's a really awesome um, movie adaptation. It was recently made into a movie. Dev Patel plays Saru. It really is a fantastic film, and I highly encourage everybody to go out and see it. Hi, everyone. If you like the show, and if you want to see some of our deck lists written out or some of our other thoughts about the game, please visit us at our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. Again, that's randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. And you can also email us at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon.